You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, good afternoon. It's a decaf version of the Strange Brew Sunday Coffee. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. Charlie, I'm not a big decaf guy. or You don't strike me as a big decaf coffee guy either. Not once in my life have I partaken in decaf coffee, and that is something I'm rather proud of, and that's a streak I intend to continue. You know, that's one way that we are alike. I don't think in my life I've ever had decaf coffee. Now, I may have had it and didn't know it. Somebody may have laced my real coffee with decaf and brought me a decaf instead of the regular, but uh, I didn't know it either. But, of course, we're brought to you by Strange Brew Coffee House. Strange Brew now with four locations. Of course, the original in Starkville on Spring Street and Highway 12. Then you've got University Drive. Now in uh, – the city of Tuscaloosa, along with Tupelo, it's Brupolo, and Strange Brew Coffee House, Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Of course, go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. If you want it shipped to you, they'll ship you some mugs as well. And so go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. And so, Charlie, you and I are both in roving studios today. I had my Strange Brew Coffee this morning that was, uh, that was brewed here at home. It was fantastic. And so, Charlie... Hey, the the difference in the feel of this show this afternoon compared to what it would have been about 10 o'clock this morning is a little bit different. Thank goodness we waited. Um, I, needed, I needed a win to make me feel a little bit better. Obviously, there's still some issues. No secret about that. But nice to get a win. And it, look, it was a tough weekend for us. And... I'm not sure that beating Cal 8-4 to four in a game on Sunday is something that completely changes my spirits, but there are some real bright spots to be taken from today. Amani Larry hitting the ball well. Bryce Chance just continuing to hit. Luke Hancock hitting well for the second straight day. And, um, look, Nate Dome, um, he gave you five of the best innings you've seen all year. I, other than maybe – uh, Gerangelo at times, I, I can't think of a better five-inning stretch that, that we've seen. No, I agree with that. I thought Dom was really good out of the pen, and he got him chasing late in the game. And, Charlie, you, th- you think about this series, and you asked me on Friday in our Tracks Plus Deep Dig if I would have taken two out of three, and, yeah, I would have taken two out of three. I didn't realize Oklahoma has played very well this weekend. They've got Ohio State later today. Uh, they you know, should win that game. But uh, they took care of business on Friday against Cal. I thought Cal was the hottest team coming into this weekend. And then with the way we played in that second game, and we'll go and kind of look in detail about how we played in the three games in the series. But, Charlie, after looking at all three games for me, I just have more questions. I I mean, I really – I don't know what to think because you look at today where you defended it for the most part okay. You pitched it, you know, for the most part okay. And then you had some timely base hits, and you kind of see you know, the, what this team can do. But then you look at the frustrations of Friday night. I don't think I've ever seen a team be the receiver of 16 free passes 
12 walks and four hit batsmen and lose a game. And we had one hit there, you know, until late in that game. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Leaving 16 guys on base, that's pretty tough. That Friday game, boy, that was that was a tough one. The other thing that's tough is seven errors on the weekend, um, a number of pass balls on the weekend. And so we're, we're still hurting ourselves in some places. And I don't know what goes into that. I want to go back and look, Bart, because I don't know why we're having the troubles we are defensively right now. And I get it. There's some issues on the mound. We've had trouble walking guys. But we've also had to throw to many more batters than we should have because of the inability to make plays. We talk all the time about sometimes getting to the quarterback is about having good coverage. Sometimes having good coverage is getting to the quarterback. Well, you know, sometimes having good pitching is playing defense behind them. And right now I don't think we are complimenting a pitching staff that is already struggling. Am I missing that? No, not at all. I mean, you look back at the game on Friday, you Gerangelo gave up one unearned run. You look at Sierra, he gives up four runs. Well, they are, they're all all earned on two hits. And the three walks work in there, too. Holcomb gives up three runs on one hit, and all three of those runs were unearned. And so you're seeing a lot of pitchers give up a lot of unearned runs. And so, I mean, it's kind of catch-22. Your ERA is worse than the league right now. But it could be a lot worse because a lot of runs you've given up are unearned runs. And I, going back to your point, Charlie, about your, your fielding percentage, right? You know, coming into today, we were fielding at 949. And we had talked about we had been, you know, kind of gifted a couple of those errors that, you know, probably should have been more errors early in the season. And you look at last year in the SEC, and I think that's one of the things that's kind of the question mark for me is, you know, last year you you were like 10th and 11th in the, in the SEC as far as hitting. You had the worst ERA pitching staff in the SEC, but we led the SEC last year in fielding percentage. Right now you're sitting coming into today at, you know, 11th best in hitting, the second to worst pitching ERA in the league, and you're monumentally the worst fielding team in the SEC. 949 coming into today. Last year, LSU finished dead last in fielding percentage. And we talked about LSU having its struggles. And they fielded 962, which is 13 points higher than what you are right now. And I know it's a, a small sample size, but I just don't know what you attribute it to. There's a lot of throwing errors. Is it just me? Is there a lot of throwing errors? And to me, that that's not, you know, repetition. Sometimes you, you get the yips. You're beginning to wonder how much of this and what you're seeing early in the season is not from a physical standpoint, it's a mental standpoint. I think there's a lot to that, and I attribute some of the difficulty we have throwing strikes to that too. When your mind space is don't throw a ball, don't throw a ball, don't throw a ball, it makes it really hard not to throw one sometimes. And it's almost like what we need is a, a big group hug, a big team psychologist meeting. I don't know what it is. But I, I look at it right now, and I just wonder if this is a team that's in its head and is feeling the pressure a little bit of, oh, no, here we go again. Last year was miserable. It was miserable for the fans. It was miserable for the players. 
and we're sitting here, you know, 10, 11, 12 games deep in the season. And, I mean, they hear it. They hear it at the games because, I mean, look, uh, the feedback is fairly direct at Duty Noble Field, and it was in Frisco this weekend as well in places where I sat at times. And you just wonder with a little bit, if when you struggle out of the gate, if you don't start to press and you don't start to hold on to that ball just a little bit too long, if you don't start trying to, what is it they say all the time, don't aim it, just throw it. It feels like we've got a team that right now at times is working too hard to avoid failure, if that makes sense, too worried about not failing. What's that old adage in Bull Durham? Hold it like an egg. You you can't grip it too hard. You got to hold it like an egg, and and there is something to that. You start gripping the ball harder when you start trying to aim it. You know, it's the whole thing when you learn when you're eight years old. And I saw this yesterday, and in a you know a nine U tournament that was next door, and an eight U tournament. I was I was baseballing yesterday, Charlie. I had twelve U tournament yesterday, a one one day tournament. We played the early game yesterday morning, and we played the championship last night. And so I left my house at six a.m. yesterday. I got in about twelve thirty this morning, and it was a glorious day of baseball. But you learned at a, a young age, don't aim it. Just throw it. And you kind of wonder about getting back to basics, if that could be a big key for the pitching staff. But it's also to me, Charlie, and maybe I'm, you know, just trying to oversimplify things. But for me, it looks like we got a, a several guys at the plate, too, that are overanalyzing as well. And I don't know how much of this is driven by analytics. I don't know how much of this is driven by, hey, just get up there and grip it and rip it. But it just seems like we've got some guys at the plate that could benefit from the old, you know what, I'm going to show up to the ballpark today and I'm going to hit the ball to center field or right center field if I'm a right-handed hitter. Or I'm going to go center field to left center field if I'm a left-handed hitter. And I'm just going to stay on the ball as long as I can stay on the ball and just see if that will work me back into to getting base hits. If somebody throws me inside, hey, I'm going to yank it and I'm going to pull it. But it's almost like we're pulling off just about everything, especially a lot of our left-handed hitters. I think that was one of the frustrating things to me about Friday night was our left-handed hitters against a left-handed pitcher. Everything we hit was on, basically it seemed like on the ground to the right side. We rolled over on a lot and didn't stay through the ball, didn't think the other way. But that's not the only approach. It's certainly an approach that uh, – you know, somewhere in the game, you'd like to see somebody go the opposite field. And we've got some guys who've done that at times. I think one of the things that is difficult about college baseball, you know, in the pros, you at least get to play every day. And so you keep playing and you keep playing and your sample size kind of racks up in a hurry. You have a bad weekend. You really only get one midweek game for the most part to gotta, to have a chance to go out and clean things up, to make your numbers look better. And I wonder sometimes if we almost wouldn't be better if the batting averages weren't up on the board and letters four feet high so that the whole world sees them and you just could play baseball. But that being said, whatever it is, uh, I thought it was important to get a win today. Uh, hey, one other thing on hitting. I want to go back and look. This is anecdotal. I don't have the numbers to back this up, but it's going to be one of my research projects for the week. It feels like at times this team, some of our guys will get in damage counts. They'll get in those 2-0 counts, 3-1 counts, and then take strikes. And it's almost like 
man, you get a count to two and zero as a hitter, you almost want to be able to just come out of your shoes on one. And if you swing and miss, you swing and miss. It's two and one. Um, I want to go back and look at that, but it felt there were times over the past week where we didn't take advantage of hitter counts. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, you think about some of the, you know, you think about Eddie Furnish down in Baton Rouge, and you think about so many of the great hitters in the SEC. You think about Jake Mangum. You think about Brent Rooker. If Brent Rooker had a 2-0 fastball that was thigh high right down the middle, I don't think he takes it. And, and hey, I know it kind of sounds like we're trying to be negative, and we're not. I mean, we're just trying to figure out, you know, what we're looking at here early in the season. You do have to look at some of the positives. Amani Larry has been as good of a leadoff guy as you could hope for. I mean, he has been really good, a spark plug at the top of the order, a guy that can steal bases, a guy that hit with power today, gave you the lead with a home run to left field. And so, I mean, it's not like you're trying to pick on every single person out there. Hey, Bryce Chance today went three for five. And I go back to the point I was making a minute ago. It just seems as if Amani Larry at times and then Bryce Chance are two of the guys that are willing to use the middle of the field. No, absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons you're seeing them perform well. Uh, we saw Hancock go the other way a little bit this weekend. You know, he had the tough night on Friday, but who didn't? You, you look at our stats on Friday night, we only had three hits, and two of those came from the eight and nine spots in the order. But then Hancock comes back, has two hits on Saturday, has two hits on Sunday, Got on base another couple of times today with a couple of walks. Um, so there's there are some pieces here. We just got to get everybody kind of in sync. You, you know, Ledbetter had the tough weekend. He had been our best hitter coming in. Goes one for three and puts up an 0 for three and an 0 for four. Like to see him heat back up. But, look, that's going to happen in in small sample sizes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we had some guys that, that had some tough weekends. Ledbetter, I think, is going to hit for you. To me, it just looks like Bryce Chance is more of a two-hole hitter than a three. And then all of a sudden, you say, hey, why don't you put Ledbetter in a three? But then all of a sudden, what do you do with the cleanup spot? You don't want to back up left on left. you know. With So you just kind of wonder what the product is you know, of, of dropping Ledbetter down to maybe three for some more RBI opportunities. And Chance is a guy that, you know, that, that's been getting on base. You know, right now, you know, Alford had a tough weekend. He was 0 for 13 at the plate, had another error today. Chester, you know, came in late in the game. And so, you know, Highfield went 0 for 5 today. Hey, that was a tough error. He had a double. He was 1 for 5 today in my book. And so, of course, Kellum had the big home run in that in the game today, was 1 for 5 with a couple RBIs with that two-run home run. But going to the pitching, you know, Landon Gartman today gave up four runs on three hits, struck out four, and he walked four. You know, Gartman's going to be a guy, and, and looking out there, there he's he is going to give up some hits. He's going to mix and match, and he is going to give up some hits. He's going to give up some home runs when you get in the SEC play. The whole key for Landon Gartman is just to not give away free passes. He gave up four walks and a hit batsman today in four innings of work. To me, that's going to be just the big key for Landon. I was looking at a stat here this past week that I thought, reflects one of the changes in baseball, but it was the declining number in the major leagues of seven inning or more starts by a starting pitcher allowing, I suppose all starts are by a starting pitcher, by the way, but situations where a starting pitcher goes seven plus innings 
and allowed five or more runs. And that number has come way down over the years. But it got me to thinking about our pitching staff, and and here's what I would say. If we've got an innings eater on this team, it's probably Gartman, meaning he didn't have his best stuff today, but he got you through four innings. He just kind of you, – you could not be in a spot today where you had to go to the bullpen in the second or third inning. You just needed Gartman to hang around, and you need your offense to keep you in it. And then when you were able to hand the ball to Nate Dome, obviously you got the, the results you needed. Yeah, I mean, two of the four runs that Gartman gave up today were home runs, and you had to have that. He threw 95 pitches. His pitch count gets a little high. And, you know, he's a, he's the type of guy that right now it just seems like on 1-1 counts is going 2-1 instead of 1-2. But, man, he did, he did gut it out. You look back at the weekend, Gerangelo early in the game, I thought Gerangelo, you know, was okay. He went four innings, gave up the one unearned run on one hit. Uh, two walks and four strikeouts. He was okay. You know, this is the first time we've seen Sierra have difficulty with a strike zone. And, you know, he walked three. And then Colby Holcomb walked three. You had the eight walks and a hit batsman in the game on Friday. But uh, it, it just seems to me like, Charlie, we're looking for that left-handed starter. You know, it's almost like we're trying to force it on Eintema. And I don't know if he's really the starting. You know, he went two and two-thirds yesterday. He just, to me, seems like that swing guy. It's kind of everything that uh, that you want Tyler Davis to be. You know, Davis pitched the five innings the other night and got hit pretty good. But to me, Eintemus kind of that same role-type guy. And you, it's almost like you're waiting on Bradley Lofton to just latch on to that starting role. Am I wrong for saying that? I don't know. I, I, I do think um, – let me say this for Davis. He got hit hard early. The good thing about him, though, is he only ended up giving up two earned runs. You talk about eating some innings. Um, he gave you the five innings at the end of that ball game and at least helped get you into a, a spot on Sunday where you hadn't blown through your entire bullpen. The challenge right now with Bradley Lofton, it seems to me, and I know there's a lot of kind of people wanting him to get to that position where he's ready to be a starter and a lot of people saying we should, but here's the issue. you got a team that's struggling with walks, and right now he's walked 11 in nine innings. I and mean, that's better than a walking inning. Now, the good news is teams are only hitting 133 against him. He's only allowed four hits in his nine innings. The question is going to be, you know, right now he leads your team in walks. And so you got to think, don't you, that he's got at least a couple of more weeks working on Tuesdays before you can feel good about making that change. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely got to work his way into it. He's just not ready to, to grasp a hold of that right now. Now, the thing about Lofton, what he did do is he racked up a bunch of walks early in that game against Southern Miss on Tuesday night, and then it felt like to me he settled down after that. I mean, I thought he was a lot better in the third inning. And uh, But anyway, uh, that's just kind of how we've – how do you look at this weekend? I, like I said, I don't know really – how to gauge what I saw this weekend? It went from the kind of the lowest of lows to a, to a, a pretty good high because I think today was a really good win against Cal. Of course, we're in the Farm Bureau studios, the roving Farm Bureau studios today. Both Charlie and I are both off-site, and Farm Bureau will go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. They have agents all across the state of Mississippi. Home, life, auto, whatever you're in the market for, go by and see our friends at Farm Bureau. Charlie, we talked about on uh, in our midweek show about Heartland Catfish, and I talked to a buddy of mine the other day, 
who on Friday went to the Golden Chick, went to, went to a Golden Chick in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And, of course, the Golden Chicks are all out there. He says, hey, I took a buddy with me, and we both got the catfish at Golden Chick. And I told him, I said, hey, listen, this comes from Mississippi. This is Mississippi farm-raised catfish. And the guy was like, yeah, are, are you kidding? So he said, hey, I learned a lot from you guys. And so, of course, Heartland Catfish produced right here in the state of Mississippi. And one of the great restaurants that they service are the friends at Golden Chick out in the state of Texas. Hey, uh, we'll talk more about baseball, but last night, men's basketball going on the road, playing at Vandy. We've talked about this for the last couple of weeks about Vandy's been playing much better. And last night we lost by five. We just dug too big of a hole. We're down by 10 at the half. Vandy comes out on a 5-0 run to start the second half. All of a sudden you find yourself down by 15, but hey, we scrapped and clawed and tried to get right back in that thing. We did and had a look to tie it right at the very end. Just couldn't do it. I had a bad feeling about that game for quite a long time. Their big guy was out. We had an opportunity to maybe take advantage there, and Tolu racked up a number of points. But that's a tough place to play. I never felt good about that game. And I know I'm from looking at the different websites and bracketologists and that type thing were still considered in that last four in, I would still feel a lot better if we were to go up to the tournament and win a game on Thursday. I think you're going to have a tough time. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think you're going to have a tough time making the case if, if you don't go up and win one tournament game. Yeah, because right now, hey, it's one thing to, to lose against Florida, and that's a good matchup for us, even though we lost that game at home. I still like that matchup with Florida. There are, their net ranking right now is 58. Our net right today is 46. We went from 42 to 46 this week. We're the seventh best net ranking in the SEC. Man, Arkansas went 2-8 and eight on the road this year. Their net ranking is 18 today. You know, Bama's two, Tennessee three, Arkansas has the third best net ranking. Then you've got Kentucky, A&M. Hey, we cost A&M the SEC, the SEC championship. And then you've got Auburn at 32 and we're at 46. So we got the seventh best as far as net ranking. You just don't know the upsets around the country. If you may have some two-bid leagues, some stolen bids, you just don't feel good at all if you're one of those last three or four teams going into that final weekend but, you, you know, going back to the point, you play the early game, you play the noontime game up in Nashville against Florida. I don't want to say it's a 99% must win, but, man, it's a, it's a big one to get. What's your take? If we win, and let's say we get in, you think we head to Dayton? You think we're going to get slotted in that? I still call it the play-in game. I know the NCAA doesn't endorse that, but you think that's where we are? I would say so right now. Yeah, we are. I mean, that's we're one of those. Everybody's brackets are out there right now, and it's one thing to look at brackets a month ago. It's another thing to look at it right now, and now you're looking at them. And so, I just, uh, I just think you're going to have to win, you know, one or two games to get yourself off that bubble of of playing in the play-in game. And playing the play-in game is not just a terrible situation, but you you definitely want to stay away from it. So the brackets obviously are all set now for the SEC tournament, and we play Florida no matter what. So we don't get the chance to play one of the teams who will be playing on Wednesday. We've got South Carolina and Ole Miss and then Georgia and LSU. If we were to win our game on Thursday, 
then we would play Alabama on Friday. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. We will be in the bracket with Alabama. Alabama, of course, losing to Texas A&M. Bama has not played well over the last couple weeks. I mean, they have not played as crisp as they have over the last couple weeks. They're still playing. They're trying to play themselves into a one seed, of course, the NCAA tournament. But uh, with all the other junk going on over there, uh, Alabama has not been pl- – hey, I'm not saying that we couldn't win against Florida and then come back the next day and beat Alabama. No, it would be tough. By the way, Alabama had the overtime win against Auburn earlier this week. Did you see Bruce Pearl's interview with Auburn Radio after the game where he finally ends up just throwing his headset? I did. And, um, and Charlie, I wouldn't be lying if I didn't chuckle a little bit. <laughs> but <laughs> – but I've been there before. Andy Burcham handled it well. Andy's a good friend of ours, and Andy was on the other side of that. And, of course, you know, Alabama able to come back and win that game. Auburn had the big lead, second half. And, hey, I tell you what, <laughs> yeah, he, he was not too pleased in the in the postgame show at all. But that's Auburn being Auburn there, Charlie. Indeed it is. So, we've got baseball this week. What we'll, Let's kind of look at this schedule here over the next week or so. Coming up this week, we're going to have a ball game here. We play Valpo on Tuesday. And then Thursday, men's basketball at noon. Then you and I have the weekend with Lipscomb coming into town in baseball. And then next week, of course, we go down to Biloxi for a couple of games. Um, Don't know much about Lipscomb, but it feels like we're in a spot where four straight wins – at a minimum, is going to be pretty important. Got to get that midweek game and roll through this coming weekend. And if you do, maybe then you you start to feel a little bit better about where you are. You'd love to have one of those weekends where you score about 10 runs a game and all of a sudden you see guys' batting averages jump from a 206 up to a 230. You know, just give them something a little better to feel about. Yeah, but the thing about Lipscomb, though, is they won two out of three against Notre Dame that opening weekend of the season. They uh, they won two out of three against Illinois-Chicago. They lost the last two days against Auburn. So they're playing down at Auburn this weekend. And they lost on Friday 7-3. to three. They lost yesterday 11-12. to 12. And so they were very much in that game. So then they're playing the third and final game. That game hadn't gone final yet as we're recording right now. So, but, but Lipscomb is not a, not a bad team by any stretch at all. And so – Getting back, playing Valpo on Tuesday, then Lipscomb next weekend. The good thing is, is they have played Notre Dame, then they've played Auburn, so you kind of get a feel of what they want to do in an SEC against an SEC style of team. And so we'll have our Friday deep dig about the the Bison of Lipscomb on Friday. Of course, we had our Tracks Plus deep dig this past Friday, talking about the the three game set over in Frisco and Tracks Plus, of course, now with five locations. Saney excavators and mini excavators, heavy equipment. Go to tracksplus.com. Massey Ferguson tractors and implements at four of the five locations. And so just a great sales staff, a company that continues to grow. It means more. That's what they say. It just means more for us because they're a smaller company that has just done a great job with sales and service over the last several years, and they are a continually growing company. And so, yeah, Charlie, um, this week 
you'd like to get all four, no doubt. You got Van, uh, Valpo on Tuesday and then Lipscomb next weekend. Basketball, man, I'm, I'm with you. You've got uh, a big one in front of you. Women's basketball, of course, they don't do anything this week. They have the NCAA tournament you know, the same week as the men's tournament. And so um, that was a tough loss for them over at the SEC tournament against Texas A&M. So now they kind of wait, but they feel like they're in as well. So uh, anything for the good of the cause, Charlie? Yeah, now that I pull it up to check the live scores from our friends at D1 Baseball, Lipscomb is actually beating Auburn today, 3-1, to one, that ball game in the top of the six. So we'll see how that plays out. But Lipscomb not likely to be the pushover. But I don't care. That doesn't change my view on this. We've got to go win some baseball games. We've got to start racking up some wins. And I always ask you, the, hey, if, if I told you you could take two out of three, would you take it right now? If you told me I could get three out of the next four, I'm saying no. You've got to play them and you've got to win them. That's, that's where I think we are. Because I think this is a team that needs some confidence. I think this is a team that's just – they just need some good things to start happening and get out of their heads. It just feels like it's a team that's in their heads a little bit. That's the only way I can begin to explain the inability to throw the ball to first, to throw strikes, those kind of things. These are better players than this, and I think it's just a question of, you know, rounding off the edges a little bit and having some success because we've seen when a team in any sport feels like they're getting hot and playing better, it completely changes things. This is a team that needs some wins. Yeah, it does. Last year, going into SEC play, we were 11-7. and seven. Right now, we're 7-5. and five. You win the next four, and all of a sudden, you know, you're 11-5. and five. You got two midweek games down on the coast. You ain't got Texas Tech like you did last year. And so, we're kind of right where we were. And if you remember, hey, halfway through the SEC play last year, after we had won two out of three against Auburn, won two out of three against Ole Miss, we felt good about it. Everything just kind of unraveled late in the season last year. That was the big thing there. But, yeah, we just kind of got to get back to that point. Uh, once again, hey, thanks to our good friends at uh, Cannon Ford of Startwell. Cannon Ford located just east of Startwell on Highway 182. If you're in the market for a new or used car, their service center as well. If you need to get your oil changed, tires rotated. If you need a spray-in bed liner, need to go to the body shop, had a fender bender, go by and see our friends at Cannon Ford of Starville. I'm asked all the time, Bart, hey, my, my daughter is in Starville. She needs a new car. She needs a used car. Where do I need to go? And I always give that number for Chris Keene at Cannon Ford of Starville. Charlie, hey, man, I know it's a short Sunday coffee or late afternoon Sunday coffee. I'm actually drinking right now. I'm drinking the real deal, not, not you know, the blueberry cobbler. I'm dr- drinking just the straight old strange brew coffee, just regular old Joe right now. And so I'm not afraid to drink caffeinated coffee on a Sunday afternoon. I will sleep well tonight, a lot of it because the dogs played a lot better today. Well, you be careful how many snacks you have with that coffee because I am about to walk out the front door and head to Hot Works. I'm down 11, Bart, in 10 days, so I hope you're feeling motivated. Well, I'm down here on the farm, and so I'll walk the back roads and make sure I get up my steps in this afternoon and uh, walk off that country-pleasing sausage that I ate this morning. I ate a little bit of country-pleasing. That's not bad for you. I mean, it's good for you. Got the day started, and... So our good friends down at Country Pleasing. Oh, by the way, 
They're doing catering orders now, big catering orders down at our good friends at Country Pleasing. But, Charlie, I'm coming to get you on the weight loss challenge. I'm buckling down tomorrow. This is going to be a good week for me. All right. Well, all right. So it needs to be a good week for Mississippi State. We need four wins in baseball, three by the time we get back together. We need one win in basketball. And, look, I don't care if it's play-in game. I think Chris Jans has done a really good job with this basketball team. Just get us somewhere. Get us somewhere or somehow, and and I'm all in. Hey, last thought, I did not get to watch the game on TV. I was in person attending the first two ball games, but it looked like the strike zone was bigger. Did you get the sense that the zone was a little bit bigger out there this week? I did. I thought it was a lot bigger than what we saw, you know, a couple of weeks ago against Arizona. Well, last weekend against Arizona State, and two at times against VMI. But yeah, I thought it expanded a little bit more this weekend, and maybe the message is getting across. I saw Jason Bradley had to play today, and so of course we know Jason real well. But maybe, hey, it's it's one of those deals of the uh, the the higher ups with the umpires are telling some of these guys, hey, listen, we need, to, we need to loosen this thing up or we're going to be sitting here walking all day long, just kind of like I saw yesterday in 12U baseball. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I, everybody tells us that the umpires are super uptight about the grades they get after the game. We've had terrible officiating for years, and as best I can tell, nothing's ever happened about it. So why are they going to worry about it now? By the way, I, that, I, you know what? There is something I need to talk about, Bart, and that is this. We were playing in a basketball game earlier this week. We had Missouri. No, it wasn't Missouri. It was South Carolina that was in town. And we have an official arguing with a fan with his back to the floor while the game is underway. He is arguing with the fan. The, the fan said something like, that's a gutless call is what he's supposed to have said. And the official is turning and basically saying, you say that one more time and you're out of here. And had a other, few other choice words to say. He talks to somebody on the other side. Now, I get it. Officials probably catch more flack than they deserve. But if you're an SEC official and you're so worried about what some guy in the stands is saying about your officiating, what it tells me is that there was a little much, little too much truth in the criticism that would stung a little bit too much. Because if you've got any confidence in yourself, you just shake your head and say that guy's a moron. So that is my officiating outrage of the week. Yeah, do you think some of those, some of those folks in women's basketball, when they get their grades, they really care? Because evidently, Grays don't care because we've been seeing those same women's basketball officials for the last 15 years. Dee Kantner is one of the lowest rated. You know, she officiated in the NBA for a while and was, I believe I'm correct in saying, the lowest rated official that they had ever had. She was certainly on the very poor end. So they remove her from the league, and now she is like the marquee official. She gets all the big games. It's frustrating. But so it goes. She still hadn't crawled that crossbody check against Morgan William to cost us a national championship. But I digress. No, I think we ought to get a technical foul just on principle every time she comes in the building. <laughs> 
Hey, Charlie. Hey, enjoyed it as always. Once again, thanks to our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. Strange Brew, go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Tracks Plus, with all your heavy machinery, tracksplus.com. Of course, Heartland Catfish, producing that fine U.S. farm-raised catfish right here in the state of Mississippi. And you can get it at all the golden chicks in the state of Texas. Cannon Ford of Startville. Cannon Ford, nobody beats a Cannon deal. Nobody. Country Pleasing Sausage. And then Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com for all your lending needs. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on the afternoon version of Sunday Coffee.